Bob Sewell. I'm a lawyer. In fact, I'm a partner at the law firm of Davis Miles McGuire Gardner. I started this podcast because my clients always ask me, is that even legal? I want to discuss on this podcast how the law affects us and changes our daily lives. I hope you enjoy the show. I hope it is meaningful to you and I hope you learn from it. Thank you. Kelsey Lane and Justice James Bean. And I wanted to have the two of you on the show because you two work together in a very unusual way because we have a Supreme Court justice and the Supreme Court justice ends up working with the governor of the state board bar of governors. You're among the governors on the state board bar of governors. And a lot of people don't realize that. And so I wanted to have you on to talk about that so we can understand what a justice does and how that justice is making real world decisions that affect, you know, how Arizonans really uh, consume law. So thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So tell me, what is the state bar and the Arizona Supreme Court have to do with each other? Yeah, so we work collaboratively. So the State Bar Board of Governors and the State Bar of Arizona works to actually protect the public and provide legal services and access to justice. We do that in cooperation with the Supreme Court. They help make the decisions. They give us guidance. And we then, in exchange, provide recommendations for councils, committees, um, different initiatives to help people get access to justice and learn what's going on. So was that something that you really, just as being thought, oh, yeah, this is going to be an important part of my job when he became a Supreme Court justice? Honestly, no. Um, but it has become an important part of my job. And actually, one of the aspects of my job that I look forward to the most um, in, in engaging with members of the uh, Board of Governors, um, how the Supreme Court is involved in this, or specifically each justice, each um, it's the junior justice gets assigned to be the liaison to the board of governors. And when I came on the court in uh, 2019, the chief justice told me that that would be one of my duties. And it's something that I, again, intellectually knew, but I didn't know the working uh, intricacies of that. And so I attend, unfortunately, I've been attending, as everyone else has been attending virtually uh, these meetings for the past uh, year or so. But I get to listen to hear what the uh, State Bar Board of Governors is discussing in terms of issues, the issues that they're bringing up. And it's it's very instructive and informative to me. And I can take that information and do take that information and, and share it with my colleagues when we meet and uh, conference these type of issues. Now, a, a Supreme Court justice, that the Supreme Court regulates the bar, regulates Arizona attorneys, right? Um, yeah, we over we oversee that uh, the state bar takes a, a, a big part in that. Um, our our rules of procedure, uh, our Supreme Court rules. Um, there's a, a a host of rules that deal with the regulation of the practice of law um, and how that is set up. And the state bar, spe- specifically the the um, chief bar counsel, um, is very involved in uh, the disciplinary aspects of the state bar in terms of if there's a complaint, there's a whole process that that works itself out. And the Arizona Supreme Court ultimately uh, can review um, 
a final decision from our, preside, our presiding disciplinary judge and determine whether to uphold uh, that decision or, or, or reverse it in some fashion. So yes, the, the state bar and the Supreme Court kind of work uh, hand in glove in terms of the regulation of the practice of law. Kelsey, on the board of the state, the governing board of the state bar, what do you guys actually want to do? What are your goals? Yeah, so we have a few goals, one of which is to promote access to justice. So provide different ways for Arizonans to kind of get legal resources, make more diversity in the legal practice, have more representation. We want to foster public trust. So we want to make sure that we're checking up on our lawyers, making sure they're educated, doing what they need to do, not appearing in court as cats, um, things like that. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty famous. (laughs) And then we also want to make sure the state bar itself is running well. So making sure the organization is not um, in the red, making sure we have great people working for the state bar to make sure that all these programs are available to everyone and that the lawyers are being regulated and the public does have proper legal services. You know, when people talk about access to justice, one of the things they think about is whether or not they could get a lawyer. But Kelsey, I got to tell you, I could hire a lawyer, right? I mean, I just walk down the street and hire a lawyer. It's just that easy, right? No. So you want to make sure that the lawyer you're hiring knows what they're doing, that they're a good attorney. And so the State Bar actually has a Find a Lawyer program where you can research lawyers online um, and kind of check them out, look at their disciplinary record and see if they meet what you need for your legal services. One problem though with access to justice is typically to hire a lawyer, you need some money. And so a lot of Arizonans are facing financial struggles, even more so with COVID. So the state bar has done some really neat stuff during this time, uh, partnering with different community legal services, the Arizona Bar Foundation, and they actually created the Arizona Attorneys Respond Legal Hotline that was active um, over the past few months. They handled over 3,100 calls for free Um, to Arizonans to kind of handle their issues. And that has now been kind of teed over to the Phoenix Community Legal Services. But the state bar is trying to make um, access to justice more accessible to Arizonans if you don't always have the money to pay for an attorney. Yeah, you know, that's so important because it is incredibly expensive. And I know this is important for you, Justice, being access to justice. But again, I could hire a lawyer, right? Anyone could just hire a lawyer. That's true. And like Kelsey said, if you have the funds to hire a lawyer and uh, lawyers are uh, can be e- expensive and we want um, Arizonans to be able to access uh, the justice system, even if they can't afford a lawyer. Um, the current Chief Justice, uh, Justice uh, Brutonell, Chief Justice Brutonell put out a five year strategic plan when he became Chief Justice in 2019. It's called Justice for the Future. And the number one goal in his plan was promoting access to justice. Because if you simplify the court process and court procedures, the court system is faster and easier to navigate. And that just makes it better for the public. And um, there are some very good websites and uh, that, that help individuals, even if they believe that they can't afford an, an attorney. I know in Maricopa County, the self-help uh, website, if you are in a family case, a juvenile case, even a civil case, you can go online, you can pull forms out that you can fill out and file with the courts, and you can get access to justice and the court system that way. That's um, instrumental in, 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 in uh, allowing and enabling citizens to seek um, you know, redress for any type of wrong, criminal or civil, 
um, in our court system. And that's something that's um, very important, I know, to the state bar. It's critically important to Chief Justice Brutonell and the other members of, our, of the state Supreme Court. But why do I care? I mean, I'm not trying to be rude or glib. Why do I care if someone can't hire an attorney? I mean, what's it to me? Well, um, maybe it not, might not mean anything to you, but to the litigants that um, maybe want to get out of a, um, an abusive um, marriage and they are of limited means, they're going to have to take this um, on, them, on themselves. And again, they can go to websites like um, azcourthelp.org, azcourts.gov. They can go to the Maricopa County Superior Court um, um, self-help desk, and they can get the documents that they need to start the process to maybe getting out of an abusive relationship. Or maybe there's a, uh, a parent that's not paying their fair share and they want to start child support. They can start those types of proceedings as well. And um, I, I think it's an important issue. And it's great if you can have a lawyer, you know, navigate this system for you. That's obviously optimal. But if you don't have the money to do it, I think it's important that we provide a, an avenue for these type of uh, these individuals of, of maybe lesser means to seek redress in the court system as well. You know, again, Kelsey, it, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, these are just a few people. There's just a couple people out there like this who, who can't obtain a lawyer to help them get through the system, right? I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it, how does it even help society? It's actually a lot bigger issue than you would think. So a lot of family law and like eviction proceedings, most people are representing themselves. They can't afford an attorney. And this is people's families and homes you're talking about. This has a major life impact. So being able to access an attorney or at least have legal information, how do you know you were served properly? How do you know you even should be evicted? Do you know that you can pay your rent and not be evicted? There's lots of things that people don't understand or know that is kind of common knowledge to a lawyer who practices in that area, but they could lose a case that maybe they shouldn't have lost. And it's really interesting that some people don't even have time to attend their hearings. So a lot of people, if you're facing an eviction, you're busy probably. You've got a lot of things going on in your life. You're trying to work. You're trying to make the money to pay for your rent. How are you going to take time off to go to court when you can't even pay your bills to take the time off to go to court? So an interesting thing is during COVID, a lot of the cases have been telephonic or over video. And attendance in those hearings has gone up dramatically. Yeah, you know, okay, first of all, I was obviously playing devil's advocate. <laughs> but I think as lawyers... We have an obligation as the, the judicial system to try to make it workable. Um, you know, I had someone come to me, and I don't usually talk about these types of things because I, I, I think it's a little crass to do this. But I, I say this just to illustrate how important it is. Young gal, abandoned by her parents. Her dad died. Mom abandoned. And she comes to me, and she's like, Mom stole money from me when I, my dad died and I inherited, you know, very small amount. Mom stole this money from me. It wasn't locked up in the conservatorship like it should have been. Okay, tell me about this. And we talk about it. And it, it amounted to a couple grand max. And I'm like, well, it's a couple grand. And as I listen to her story, I realize a high schooler who's having to live on her own, okay, 
She's about she's months away from turning 18, but she's still in high school. She's working a full time job. Two grand is like three months rent for this for this gal. And, you know, and you can't do anything if you've ever been in private practice, you can't do anything in the courtroom for two grand. It the, the money's gone like that. And so, you know, that was like three months or, you know, of rent for her. But it, it's going to end up being 15 grand worth of fees from me. So I thought about it and I said, okay, I'm going to take your case. You got to pay the costs, but I'll take your case. And we worked up the case. But the system is so complex, she couldn't have got through that. You know, another example was I had a guy came to me and he had one of these uh, legal shield plans and he had a certain number of free hours and there was a debt. He claimed he paid the debt. Who knows whether he did. He was, he was an older gentleman. I don't think he could have remembered whether he did or didn't. But the debt was super old. And, and he's like, hey, I don't think I owe this. And I look at the debt and I'm like, well, legally you don't owe it because it's way too old to collect by now. And, you know, and they tried to railroad him. They should have known it was bad debt. They should have known that it was beyond the statute of limitations. And so I file the answer. And I write the letter to the guy and I say, hey, um, you know, this is bad debt. Walk away from this. And he's and then they continue to go. And then I send discovery requests so that so they can see that, you know, if they if they respond to my discovery request, they would know that it's bad debt. and They should walk away. And of course, they respond and they don't walk away. And so I file a motion for summary judgment. Well, that wakes them up. And. You know, we're into this now like eight, nine grand. He, he didn't, wasn't having to pay it, but the debt was like five grand. So it would have made no sense to hire me. It, that's outrageous. It's outrageous that we're subjected to this justice system that would put these people in this position. So I'm glad to hear that it's important to you, Justice Bean. And I'm glad to hear that it's important to you, Kelsey, because this is really important to everyday Arizonans. So what has the bar done recently and the, st and the state of Arizona done recently that has tried to bring justice more to the masses? Well, one, one specific thing that I know the state Supreme Court, I think was the, the support of the state bar is that we um, enacted a rule um, allowing legal paraprofessionals to come into the courtroom. Um, these are um, not lawyers, but they are usually paralegals that have gone through additional training, additional testing, and now they can go into a courtroom at a, at a reduced cost. They can go into a courtroom and assist individuals in um, civil matters, in family matters, and in kind of low-level criminal matters. So it's these types of initiatives that I believe um, help the individuals, the citizens of the state of Arizona, seek um, justice through the court system at a reduced cost um, and allows more people to have, like Kelsey said, people that have some experience in the system, know how to navigate the very Byzantine um, system that is uh, our, our judicial system here in the, in the state of Arizona. Uh, uh, somebody to assist them through this process. Um, 
We created that uh, system in Arizona, Legal Paraprofessionals, and actually we got some uh, national acclaim from some national periodicals, legal periodicals, saying that Arizona is on the, on the forefront, on the cutting edge of access to justice issues um, just because of, this, of this, uh, this new process. Tell me about it, Kelsey. Yeah, so what it's supposed to do is it is supposed to be kind of like the nurse practitioner to the doctor. If you want to go see the nurse practitioner, it's a little cheaper and you can have them. They still know what they're doing. They just work in limited fields. And one great thing, too, is they're still subject to the same regulation as attorneys. So they still have to test in. They're still subject to all of our regulation with the state bar. So we oversee them. We make sure they're doing the right thing, too. So we don't want someone representing you who doesn't know what they're doing. Obviously, that would not be helpful to you. So what it does is it provides that access at a lower rate where someone says, hey, I can't afford an attorney like this. It'll be $9,000 for my $5,000 debt. But maybe the, the legal paraprofessional says, hey, I'll do this for you for $500 in the justice courts or lower levels where that, yeah, actually, yeah, if I can stay in my house and you can help me with this for $500, yeah, I can do that. Let's figure this out. And so it gives people another option where they maybe feel like they don't have any. Yeah. You know, how broad of a scope will these paraprofessionals be uh, practicing in? Yeah, it's very, very limited. So it's um, certain family law cases, certain limited jurisdiction civil cases. So that means like they can go to the eviction hearings. They can go to certain family law cases. They can help you with a criminal matter where there's no jail time on the hook. We're not trying to kind of replace attorneys. We're just trying to add something to supplement attorneys in cases where attorneys are normally like, sorry, this isn't going to be worth it for me. You have someone else you can go to that says, yeah, I can help with this and it is worth it to me. One of the things that the S Supreme Court does is we're I want to talk change change uh, directions here for a little yeah. bit. One of the Supreme Court does, along with the state bar, is they regulate ethics and competence. How does that work? Yeah, so the state bar has educational requirements every year that lawyers have to do. You have to do 15 hours of um, continuing legal education, basically. Make sure that you're not kind of forgetting things, staying current. Three of those also have to be ethical credit hours. So you have to study more about um, professional conduct, maintaining yourself as a lawyer, maintaining client confidentiality. One interesting thing, too, is the state bar just put forward a proposed rule change to require one of those hours to be on diversity and inclusion. So that way you'd be mirroring the American Bar Association's requirement. So that way lawyers understand better who's out there because the general legal population is not representative of what Arizona looks like as a population. How does the Supreme Court fit into this, fit into this uh, regulating ethics and competence in the, among the bar? Well, the ethical rules are part of the rules of, this, of the state Supreme Court. So um, all rule petitions, all rule changes that are proposed come uh, to, to my court for ultimate approval or, or rejection. So any change to ethical rule necessarily comes to the state Supreme Court. We um, analyze and look into the issue, determine whether or not the change is appropriate and necessary. If so, then we, we change the rule. If not, we might send it back for further study. Um, but the state, uh, the state Supreme Court also deals in the regula regulation of the practice of law in terms of discipline. And any type of disciplinary matter that starts with a state bar works, it, works its way through the process. And ultimately, we can review and do review um, disciplinary matters as well. Do you find that uh, 
you know, challenging to try to come up with good rules. Oh, absolutely, and we and we have a very talented bar in in the state of Arizona, and they're constantly um, finding ways, tweaking rules here and there to um, to make the process more efficient. So we get rule petitions uh, in in civil and criminal and family and juvenile um, that are geared mainly to make the efficient the, the process more efficient. And it's, um, it's amazing to read these rule petitions and saying, yeah, I don't know why we didn't think of this before. Um, this is going to be, this is going to streamline discovery in civil cases, or this is going to make a juvenile process um, a faster and more efficient. And um, it, it's, a, it's a really rewarding part of my job to see these rule petitions and get to opine on them and, and help uh, the rule petitioners um, from time to time, and then ultimately decide up or down on whether or not we're going to change the rules. Yeah, you know... Um I, my main practice area is probate and probate litigation. And when I started in probate, there were no probate rules. And of course, I was coming from the civil litigation, the commercial litigation side of things where there are lots of rules and lots of case law. And so as I began this probate process and this journey, uh, to discover there were no rules, it was at once liberating and scary as all get out. <laughs> and But what I like what I've seen, that we now have rules for probate, the rules are getting more clear. Is that intentional? Oh, absolutely. I, I know I was on the Superior Court when, and you probably remember this, Bob, that there was a I don't know if scandal is the right word, but there was a lot of problems in the probate area in terms yeah. of oversight. And I think a part of it was that there was a lack of rules that gave lawyers and litigants a, a delineated, clear procedure on how, yep. to, how a case should process through the system. Um, we had a lot of talented lawyers and judges work out these probate rules. And I'm glad to hear from a practitioner that these rules are are effective and uh, working well and, are, and, and is clarifying um, a very complicated system like, like, the, like the probate system is. Oh, yeah. It's, um, yeah. When they first came out, they were kind of helpful. And then there was another reiteration. I think we've gone through three or four or something like that. And the last set, uh, I met lots of the folks who worked on it, and they put in a lot of effort. But it's pretty, you know... I think that for the most part, a layperson could actually read these rules and get something from it. While, you know, when I first started practicing law, you read those civil rules and they weren't that helpful, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. they, were, they were kind of helpful, but not really. No, and that's another part that Arizona's been on the cutting edge. We've received national awards. Um, uh, Judge Rosa Mraz, my colleague, Justice Ann Timmer, they were instrumental in spearheading these types of rule changes along with a lot of talented lawyers. And again, I, I think Arizona, again, is in the forefront of like a, a probate um, rules and procedures that other, other, frankly, other states are copying us now. Kelsey, one of the things the State Bar is trying to do among their goals is create a culture of organizational excellence. What does that even mean? Yeah, so basically what that means is cultivating great employees. So the state bar is staffed with excellent employees. They've done a great job during COVID too. And they're really dynamic in helping keep the state bar alive. So like one thing that was kind of a crazy catch for the state bar was the convention last year, a normally in-person event of hundreds of older people. 
And all of a sudden COVID hits and it's like, oh, we definitely cannot do this. We don't want to knock out half of our (laughs) profession right now. So they rallied, they created the virtual convention that went off wonderfully. And now it is opened up new doors too for the state bar to be like, hey, maybe we can add more virtual elements, allow attorneys who maybe can't take off a week to go to convention, but can attend something virtually to have more access to convention and more access to education. And the state bar also is very careful about uh, membership dues, not raising membership dues, making sure the state bar operates in a manner that is financially responsible. So that way, attorneys um, can get the professional assistance that they need. Kelsey, one of the things the state bar is doing is they're starting a social justice and inclusion committee, if you will. Did I say that right? Yeah. So it's a social justice bias and inclusion task force. That's a whole mouthful, of course. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. So one of the things that I think we've been thinking about as a society a lot, and that is when we're out there and we're meeting strangers, are we really understanding them? Yeah. You know, do we really get where they're coming from? If we, anyone's ever read the book by Malcolm Gladwell talking to strangers. He talks about this phenomenon that when we encounter strangers and when they're not necessarily from our cultural background, our cultural understanding that they possess those same traits, that we don't really get it. We don't really have that same connection. And it leads to all sorts of negative results, I think, at times. And one of the things as attorneys we have to remember is that we are not just serving, you know, our particular clients. We are. We're really called to serve the entire state. I mean, anyone should be able to hire any attorney in the state of Arizona and really have a good result or really have them understand us. At least I would hope. I mean, I, I understand that not every attorney is great for every situation, but we'd hope that we can understand our clients. What are you guys doing on that task force? Yeah, so the task force is brand new. It just started in 2021. It was approved. But the whole point of it is that the state bar is here to serve and protect the public. We can't do that if we just kind of keep with what we're doing and just leave it the status quo because there's tons of people who are not being served. And so the purpose of the task force is to meet with community leaders, community members, and understand, hey, where are we falling short? Poke holes in the system and come up with new ways that um, maybe we never even considered before um, that you're like, oh, yeah, this is a great solution. Why didn't I think of that before? Because sometimes you don't know that the problem exists. And so it's reaching out to the community and creating a channel for communication to the state bar so we can help make changes to promote that access to justice. Justice Bean, I want to give you the final word on the final subject for today, and that's the pandemic. The pandemic has changed us, right? It has. It's changed the legal system. Most definitely. What's going to stick? What do you think is going to stick? What changes? Yeah, I mean, obviously the last, you know, 12, uh, 18 months has been trying for for all of, uh, of, of Arizona, all of the world, frankly. And uh, we've had to do a lot of things to um, ensure that the legal process continues during those, those trying uh, 18 months. And there's been a lot of, frankly, there's a lot of smart people doing a lot of great things to ensure that the legal system does continue. Um, we've put in place a lot of virtual hearings, virtual twa- trials, Jury selection has been done virtually in just about every um, county in Arizona. 
um, in in Mojave County, they're doing virtual grand juries as well. Um, there's online online dispute resolution that's going on in a lot of the municipal and justice courts. And I think those are the things that we have now looking back, we're finding that are working very well. Um, people don't have a lot of time to take off sometimes for, for less important, um, maybe preliminary court hearings. And if you can do it virtually, and you know maybe from your office on a on a smartphone or off your tablet and you can tap into a courtroom where every all the players are there and you don't have to take off work you don't have to get child care so much the better for all the participants i think these virtual hearings yeah. um, jury selection um, we, we're sending out questionnaires to pre-screen a lot of jurors that's a very time uh, time consuming to do when you have them there but if we can pre-screen that saves a lot of time, not only for the, the court system, but for, for the potential jurors as well. So I think there's going to be a lot of things like that that are going to stick around post-pandemic that I think are going to be very helpful and efficient and productive for the, for the uh, legal community. I totally agree. And I, a lot of these changes I hope stick around. I know my clients are happy about you know, me traveling. Is, to, to and from court can be two hours as I wait. But online it's 15 minutes mm -hmm. and that's that's great for their pocketbooks and i'm certain they love it and i like it too because i could serve more clients that way justice bean kelsey lane thank you for coming on thank you for sharing your thoughts i really appreciate what you're doing for the state bar and for our judiciary and i really appreciate appreciate you coming on the podcast thank you thanks bob thank you bob Folks, thank you for listening. This has been the podcast, Is That Even Legal? A discussion of what's legal. Just as a reminder, this is not legal advice for you. This is general information. It's meant to be educational. If you have specific legal needs, don't be afraid to reach out to an attorney to get good legal advice. Attorneys are lovable. They're fun. They want to hear from you. See you next time.